0: All right, everybody, welcome to Studio B. I am your host, Pastor MDH. Thank you so very, very much for joining us here on the set today. Remember, wherever you're watching us from, whatever social media platform, make sure that you like, follow, subscribe, comment. And wherever you access your podcast from, whether that's Spotify, Apple Music, Google Music, wherever that may be, you can find Studio B on that same platform. Uh, Everybody, we are approaching 6,000 subscribers. We're trying to get to 10,000 by the end of the summer, and I know we can do that with your help. So please make sure that you like, follow, and subscribe so that you don't miss anything going on on the set of Studio B. Uh, Today, 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 today. I have a very, 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 very special guest. I know you guys hear me say that a lot when I open up the podcast, but this is notwithstanding, I have a very, very special guest. Uh, Let me set this up for you. You know, this week, this month, uh, we are starting uh, a series called Normalizing Success, Uh, and I am bringing four African-American females who are very, very successful in their endeavor fields, and so today I have Dr. Shantae Gray's. Uh, She holds the position of Chief Student Affairs Officer at Houston Community College. Um, this And I'll get into a little bit about how we met um, But thank you so, so very much for joining us here on the set of Studio B How you doing, Dr. Grace? Good
1: morning, Pastor, and thank you for having me It's such a pleasure to be here um, in this beautiful studio, by the way We have a, a, nice, a nice setup at HCC TV, but nothing like this So <laughs> well, I have to go God. back and brag a little bit on, on the God. great work you're doing here Thank you uh,
0: I am so honored to have you here um, We share a mutual award I guess about a month ago, a month and a half ago? About a month ago now. Um, And when I learned of your, um, when I started looking at the bio in the books that they provided, um, it really led me to want to have you on here. Uh, Because anytime I see the word doctor, you know, an earned Ph.D., um, that, you know, put the hairs up on the back of my head because education is a real big thing for me. Uh, we're going to talk about that in a little bit, but kind of tell us a little bit about yourself and, and what you do professionally. Kind of kind of give us the, the 30,000 foot view of that. Well,
1: I'm happy to do that, but let me first say doctor is just a title. It's mm-hmm. just two letters in the front of my name. <laughs> um, I worked hard for that, but I, I'm Shantae Grays, a country girl from a small town in northeast Louisiana, Ruston, mm-hmm. Louisiana. Um, it's about two miles just east of Grand Where I grew up, I attended Grambling State University. (laughs) Go Go Tigers! Go Tigers! Um, I have come from a long legacy of Grambling Tigers. Um, But yeah, grew up in a small town and um, was raised by my parents, my mother and my stepfather. My dad lived in the same town. But the backbone was our grandmother, um, Mm. who lived a big mama. Who doesn't have a big mama? Yeah.
0: Mm yeah and,
1: I mean just being able to to grow up um and to have her nurture and guide us um was really instrumental um in everything that we did, so Um, She always, you know, infused in us the idea that going to school, it didn't matter what we did, get a trade, get a job. um, But you had to do something. Right. Um, And doing that, um, I I think, you know, growing up where there was Louisiana Tech right there in, in the city of Ruston and then two miles just down the road is one of the most historically black colleges and universities in the country. How could I not? Um, starting there, um, and then just kind of exploring where what I wanted to do, and went to um, major in psychology, and then I thought, you know what, maybe I want to be a lawyer. Hmm. Yeah, and and after graduating. I quickly realized my parents were no longer going to foot the bill. They yeah, did all that they <laughs> that they said they could all do. All that we can do. That's right. <laughs> they they were no longer going to foot the bill. So I I moved here because I do have roots in Houston. Uh, my mother, uh, my grandmother's uh, parents were actually from Houston. My grandfather. I'm also a Houston native, so I have roots deep, run deep Mm. in Houston, and came to Houston after graduating, um, enrolled at Texas Southern, Come on, and uh, was there for for one semester, (laughs) (laughs) for one semester because reality kicked in. I had to get a job. Mm. Um, I had to pay my own way. It was, you know, growing up and and being an adult, young adult, you um, realize quickly that you have to prioritize some things like paying bills and buying food and, and things like that. So... Uh, quickly decided, well, maybe I, I need to sit out for a minute. I couldn't handle it. Um, but I jumped right back in. Mm. I did. I was blessed with the opportunity to work at Houston Community College right out of college. Wow. I worked in a variety of capacities. Um, And I'll talk a little bit more about that um, as we talk about my career professionally. But um, it's just been a great journey. Um, I don't have children. I do have a sister, um, a deceased sister, whose daughter I raised as a daughter Uh of my own. Um, She's 23 now, and guess where she's attending college? Oh,
0: my goodness. Look at that. Don't fall too far from the tree.
1: (laughs) She is, and and I've got two brothers, um, both. One lives in Dallas and the other in Louisiana Great parents, great family structure. Um, both both of my parents are small business owners. My mom's a hairdresser, been a hairdresser for 20, 20 well, more than that now, about thirty five years. Uh, my stepdad is a tree arborist. Wow! In other words, he cuts down trees. Yeah, come on, huh? <laughs> he cuts down trees, but which they, is a good living? That's right. Um, but hardworking, um, both of them hardworking, did all they could to provide for their children, and I'm just grateful for the opportunity to be a reflection of their of their work and all that they poured into uh, to me and to my siblings as well.
0: Now you said a couple of different things that, that we're going to pull out here. One that your grandmother was influential in
1: your life. Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, so I've said many times before that one of the problems that we're facing right now, uh, Sister Grace, is that we have an absence of big mamas. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, big Mom is now 35 years old. That's true. Um, and so we don't have uh, young ladies sitting down at the feet of their elders, and we don't have young men sitting down at the feet of their elders. So we're missing a very important component to how we were raised. Mm-hmm. Now I'll be 48 years Um, this year and I've been raised around the old school so you know I sit and I glean from those who are much much older than me who have some life experience and some girth that they can kind of pour into me we're missing that um, now in our times today but I want to you know you talk about education and education is vitally important Uh, vitally important Um, you talk about you know that you went to Grambling uh, did you go to Grambling? No, you went to TSU.
1: I went to Grambling. You went to Grambling. Graduated from
0: Grambling. Okay, but you went to TSU, and I want to hold right there because you, you said after the first semester, you had to catch your breath. That's right. And, and I think that's very, very important because many of us uh, don't understand that college life, and so when we get into it, you know, it kind of hits us from all different sides, oh, yes. and then taking a breath to trying to get your feet up under you is sometimes a very, very important move. I did that myself. Uh, And so kind of talk about that process and and what that looked like in your life.
1: Yeah. And it's what we call it is level setting. Right. Um, It's a reality check for most of us. So I was working, moved here, decided I needed to work because, as I shared, I had to pay bills. I was living on my own and uh, attending college the first semester. Uh, law school is very difficult, mm. um, so you you have to plan, you have to designate time to study, and and I found it to be a challenge for me. So rather than be a failure, um, and or at least you know failing to try, I decided let me just take a step back, let me um, reorder my priorities, let yeah. me first get get my feet, you know, in in the industry at least, or find some some stable employment that allows me to take care of myself and sustain myself, and then go back. What's important, though, is going back.
0: Yeah, there you go.
1: Um, So, but I didn't go back to Texas Southern. I will have to admit, I did (laughs) not. Um, It turns out that God had other plans for me. So, as as I was engaging in this thought of being becoming a lawyer. Um, I started working at, at HCC, and I fell in love with it. Mm. Um, had no idea that a, a community college could offer as much opportunity as it did, um, even for me. So starting out, uh, I worked in human resources. And let me tell you, I did the grunt work. Let me I, I will say that it is, you know, success is not something that's measured by um, how big your paycheck is yeah. um, or how, how large your home is, right? It, it really is measured about how people respect you enough to um, put you in, L- in positions where they help elevate you um, and motivate you. And I have been tremendously blessed um, having been at that college for 23 years started as an uh, hr clerk wow. um, then moved up quickly to become a transcript evaluator i worked a little bit in student services as a um, administrative assistant for the associate vice president um, and today i'm the chief student affairs officer
0: Look go. Uh,
1: and i'm saying i'm saying that to Look say that you know the pathway to leadership um and and to to success really has multiple entries um don't be too prideful hmm. I had a bachelor's degree, but I knew that I needed to um, at least build relationships um, and start at least at the ground level to learn more about this industry that I knew nothing about. Um, so taking those roles that were paying very little um, and I had to I had to get there because I had to take a second job just to make ends meet. Um, I was working in a smoothie shop.
0: <laughs> <Don't> <laughs> I, mean,
1: I was working in a smoothie shop, but, but because I was so passionate about it and because I wanted to learn more, I stayed with it. And and then over time, um, I had great, great leadership who again saw something in me that I had not yet seen in myself, and just kept elevating me. I mean, I quickly—I I think I averaged—and I tell people this not because I'm bragging, but it's because I wanted to be a motivation to some. Every two years, I was moving up within that organization. Mm. And, and that's the truth. Um, moving from an HR clerk to a, a higher-paying transcript evaluator, to a manager, to a director, to chief of staff for three chancellors, um, then from there going into an associate vice chancellor role, and now vice chancellor. And I did it because I wasn't too prideful, yeah. um, and I am. I'm, I was grateful every step of the way. Um, but understanding that sometimes I have to roll up my sleeves. I can't uh, assume that any job or task is beyond me. Um, and I did it. I volunteered for everything I could um, to get my face out there, but to learn more, I became a sponge. And I really think that that's what helped um, trigger my journey. I, I do want to share one thing that I think will blow the minds of uh, most people um, who don't understand the importance or the value of education and why finding and, and Putting your feet in good soil, planting that seed in good ground um, so that it becomes something that's fruitful and and nurtures um, will, you know, eventually bear good fruit. Mm -hmm. I worked at HCC, I think, for a total of 15 years. And the leadership at the time, I knew nothing. I I didn't think the chancellor knew my name and I didn't expect anything significant. I applied for a leadership um, training academy got the position um, or got the opportunity to go through this year-long training, uh, professional development, very engaging. And from that experience, one of the external facilitators, who's the president of a national organization around community colleges, recommended to my boss or to the chancellor of the system at the time um, that I be a doctoral candidate. He recruited me to come to the University of Texas at Austin, wanted me to pursue my doctorate, and HCC paid 100% of the cost. Wow,
0: my goodness.
1: 100% of the cost. Um, I had full salary. I had full release for a year and a half to complete my studies. But I I just, it was so overwhelming for me, Pastor, because here I am, small country girl from Mm. Ruston, Louisiana, um, who knew no one um honestly in the community college system I just worked hard um I was I was nice to people I was fair I was honest I, and I, I do believe that those are things that big mama instilled in Absolutely. me you know look a man in his eye and be truthful um you know be honest don't lie don't steal on, <laughs> all now, of those things
0: bedrock, first of all.
1: yeah and, and 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 that's what that's what really um resonated with the leadership there they saw again something in me that I had not yet seen in myself And I just became so overwhelmed, Um, so overwhelmed with gratitude and, and that God had opened these doors for me because I knew that it wasn't on my own merits that I had been placed in that position. And I knew that it wasn't because of my own merit that I achieved the success that I have today. But that's just the expectation. Yeah, right? come on, uh. That is something that this come is on, not out of the ordinary. Yes. God has, he is blessing yes. people every single yes. day. And so the. Ex, I'm just an example and I hope I'm an inspiration to others about what he can do. Right? that he's when I see other people getting blessed I say lord I know I'm, mine is on the way come on I'm you just in gonna the neighborhood. sit I'm gonna sit around and I know it's coming because I see it and so I'm hopeful that when people hear my story they they see my journey that they're getting ex- inspired and that they are you know reassuring their faith um they're reaffirming it in the word of God and that they are standing firm on the commitment that they know that he's already made um I just want to be that guide I want to be that inspiration to others as they Seeing, um, thinking about the you know the possibilities and what could happen. So.
0: so let me tell you. You said at the beginning that Dr. is just two letters on the front of your name, but uh, but but let me let me uh, I, and I will call you Sister Shante. I will call you Sister Graves. I, I will say, but I, I want to commend you um, because here's the platform of what I'm saying. Exactly what you said. I have ruffled uh, feathers here for about the last two years, um, Sister Grace because. What I am saying is that there is a narrative out there for black America. Uh, when you're looking at media, when you're looking at the, pl- uh, the, the, the platforms, there is a, a narrative that they try to put black people in. But black people are not homogenous. Mm-hmm. So you can't place all black people in one box. And so what I've been desperately trying to do is change that narrative by saying that success for the African-American man or woman is just a norm. Um, I grew up in a house where my grandmother did not have, uh, she got to the seventh grade, I believe. She was a, um, a, uh, a worker, she was a, uh, a waitress, she washed mm-hmm. dishes. Uh, she went on to be with the Lord, um, God bless her soul, about two and a half years ago. But this was one of the most successful women that I've ever known in my life. Uh, she instilled great pride in work. And when my grandmother, when I graduated college, when I owned my first home, my grandmother told me that she was so proud of me uh, because she said the things that I had to go through in my childhood, I did that so that my kids and my kids' kids mm-hmm. would have the opportunity to succeed. And so when I look at success among the African-American community, I like to highlight those like yourself, those who have persevered, those who have gone through the valley and come out on the mm-hmm. other side. And then we can look around to everybody else and say, listen, this is not a, a one and done kind of deal. Right. This is just what we do. Mm-hmm. And I shared with the men last night on our Monday Lights teaching that um, since the grades, we stand on the shoulders of giants. Mm-hmm. Um, our forefathers have moved mountains. Mm-hmm. Um, for Shante Grace to be here, for Marcus Holman to be here. They've moved mountains. They went through um, heinous acts of uh, of horror, and they endured it with pride, with strength, and with dignity so that we on the other side of that horror can now stand in the positions that we stand in. So when we're looking at our lives and what we've been able to do, I want to say to all those who are watching, and listening that this is just what we do. And so I don't take, I know that it's two letters, Mm -hmm. but those two letters were hard that you put in a lot of hard work in order to attain it. And so I don't want to discount that lightly, but I want you to give me kind of the earliest visions of your life. Like when you looked at your life as a, as a child, what did you see yourself doing? What was, what was your grand portrait that you were painting?
1: You know, and it's, it's funny because I, I, I often I loved to write as a child, um, and I remember being um, oh, during the summers when I would visit Big Mama. Um, the we would sit I would sit on her front porch and I would write scr- like stage plays. Mm. I would write I would write the script and I'd have my siblings acted out. And I thought, you know, I really want to be a writer. I had no idea, you know, what that entailed or what the expectations were. But um, I did really well in school um, in English was horrible in math um, so I, <laughs> I knew my limits but, but I knew that there was some passion there. Um, and then uh, over time I decided well as I, as I pursued um, work through high school and then um, went on to to Gramlin, I decided you know maybe perhaps I can I can still use those talents um, writing my very strong writing skills. Um, so I became a psychology major. Mm. It was general enough that it allowed me some flexibility to, to go between business business and private practice or um, explore other options. But then I got a master's in public administration. And that's where I thought, okay, well, this is a really opening doors. I thought about policy work yeah. um, in higher education. Then I thought about, again, thinking through, you know, my, the background that I had, or at least the one semester of law school, um, maybe there could be some legislative work I could do. So I thought I pursued, you know, thought, well, maybe I could work for a public office. Mm. Um, Didn't want to run for public office, but could be, you know, a chief aide or um, have some work at the legislative level um, in terms of helping um, develop policy. And then as I continued to work at HCC, um, more and more the passion started to resonate. Um, And it was, I was truly, I truly believed that I was planted there. I I did not expect to be at HCC for 23 years. um, So obviously I started very young. (laughs) Uh, But I I didn't expect to be at that college that long. But I realized that all of the things that I that I was passionate about writing and then my love for policy and then, you know, helping people and and really um, identifying um, how I can better serve the disenfranchised and the marginalized communities. um, Because you're right. Black people are not a monolith. And we are the ones who are um, ideally better served at community colleges anyway. I want to keep putting that plug for Mm. Houston Community College because I have some things to share. Yeah. Um, but the idea is um, expressing to people this is you can do this, you know, by a dot. Let me let me be very clear about a Ph.D. Um, it does not mean you're smart. Yeah, it doesn't. Come on. Now. What it means is you had enough tenacity mm-hmm. to finish Come what on. you started. That's it. Anyone can can get, earn a Ph.D. or Ed.D. It is all about how much is in you to drive you to finish what you started. So finishing the race. Come That's on it. Now. This is, and that. when I yeah. say that, you know, Pastor Holman, about these two letters, because I want, I, I, as we think about normalizing this, this is not an exception. Mm. Um, this is something that we should expect from all of our children, all of our youth. Even if you don't pursue a doctorate, become a small business owner, yeah. you know, to move from the idea of finding a job to um, nurturing your passion and then creating that passion to, to earn income and creating, you know, generational wealth for years to come. And I think that's, that's resonating with some, I have a good friend and, I, and I'll stop, whose 17 year old daughter. She saw her parents, both are, are entrepreneurs. Um, she calls me Aunt Tay-Tay. Um, but the 17-year-old child had a passion for cooking, and I told her, you know, you really should... I said, why don't you think about doing that? Let's go to culinary school. So she said, you know... I can train myself to cook if people will buy it, I can do it to this date. This child has had three pop-up shops um, mm. she's got other she's got a team of brand ambassadors so she's gone beyond what I even thought I could 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 offer in terms of entrepreneurial spirit. Um, She's got brand ambassadors, so other youth who are subscribing to the the things that she's doing, promoting her brand. And she's now got a national um, uh, beverage distribution company that's sponsoring her work right here in Houston. She's only been doing it for about a year um, and has grown tremendously. Um, It's those types of things that we need to, to instill in our children. If you see it, if you feel it, if it's something you're passionate about, then let's figure out how we can make that work for you. This is not an exception. You. This is something that we want to expect. Exactly. No exceptions. Expectations Act, is what we're there saying. There you
0: go. Right. I'm getting ready to call you preaching here just a little bit. <laughs> That's
1: the truth.
0: Because you're you're, you're talking my language. Yeah. Because this is what we are about. Mm-hmm. And when you're looking at you now, passions are aligning right here because. Um, and and those have heard this story ad nauseum, but it's one of the things that drives me. My mother had me when she was 16 years old. She uh, dropped out of school for a minute, went back and got her diploma, eventually wound up graduating from the University of Houston with a uh, degree in business. Um, and so I'm 48 years old. I've never saw my dad a day before in my life. I've only talked to him one time. Grew up in Third Ward, Texas, in the CUNY home. So, you know, all of Third Ward and all of that, and, and that brings along. But my mom would never give me an excuse. Um, she raised me um, by saying that all that I overcame, I did the hard work, is what she used to always say. I did all the hard work. Now I'm expecting you to do your part. And, and Shante, what I've done on this podcast and, and even in my pastor is. Um, We address issues in the community that we need to address economic reform, educational reform, prison reform. But one of the quickest ways to close the gap is in education. It is. It's one of the quickest ways that you can close the gap. Now, we just talked about that not everybody is built for a four-year degree, but there are so many different trade schools. There are so many different ways to advance the mind that it, it it is incumbent upon us to embrace education. Um, I shared with some people that there is a time in our history where reading was illegal, Mm -hmm. and now we don't want to go to school. There was a point in time in our lives to where our forefathers, who were taking on immeasurable challenges, um, would sneak over into the corner and try to read these books, and when they got caught... Horrible things will be done upon them. And now we're in a position to where we are getting free education. We can get the education that we need, and we're not taking advantage of it. All of my children, when we talk about this is the bar. This is not where we're shooting for. This is just where you're going to live. This is where you're going to live, right? This is where you're going to live. And so talk about a little bit about the education and about how education helps to better the person. And, again, maybe it's not a four-year track, uh, maybe it's a two year trade. Maybe it's a, a certification. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are many different ways that we can travel now. But talk about the benefits of education.
1: And I think you 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 just hit the nail on the head, Pastor Holman. It's um, there. People I don't think people know what they they don't know what they don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, every credential you earn, even if it's a level one certificate, and I'm going to talk a little bit about what that means. Um, every credential you earn um, increases your earning potential by at least fifteen dollars to $20,000. Look at it go. So without a high school diploma, um, average salary for a high school graduate is about... which is still below the poverty level if you have children, um, more than two children, really one. one, You can't survive with just a a single individual with $25,000 a year. But add to that just a certificate. So if you CNA, right, or you want to become a HVAC tech with a level one certificate or an apprentice, each time you're earning a credential, it increases your earning potential 10 To twenty five thousand dollars, so imagine what that looks like. um, Even if you don't, if you don't pursue a bachelor's degree, that's that is perfectly okay. We have graduates at Houston Community College who leave us after a four week or eight week training program, um, in. It's in our process technology program, but it's not the the certificate, but the uh, degree, but it is a certificate. Eight weeks of training, and they can leave us making $65,000 a year.
0: My goodness.
1: Okay? These are individuals I had. Do you know what? Didn't you hear me tell the story that I had to work in a smoothie shop, I had to work full time, and I wasn't earning $65,000 a year? Had I known... Had I known and had even the idea that community college really is about creating opportunity. This isn't about, you know, putting some letters on your back. Yeah, it's great yeah, to have an affiliation, yeah. but it does no good if it can't put food on the come table on and feed your children. Yeah, come on so now. I want to be real with people and share with them. It's start starting there, even for, for most of the, uh, our community, um, there's this nuance or this this. This taboo idea about um, going to college and mm-hmm. how, for black men especially, because mm-hmm. my, my doctorate and my focus of my studies are on black male student success, um, they struggle with the two, the two selves, right? They've got the one self that is, you know, it's me, I'm, I am I am the gentleman in the streets is who the community knows, and then... Um, but this other me is the one who wants to do well yeah. but i got to carry this image yeah. with me so i'm i'm battling with this internally and i would say to to that individual who's struggling it doesn't matter who you're who you're presenting yourself to to the public you've got to think beyond where you are today so if if it's about um providing for your family uh, creating uh, an opportunity that gives you a living and sustainable wage Pursue that construction technology certificate. Yeah. We have weekend programs um, that allow students. If, if you're working full time and you have a family, because most of our students at HCC do, our average student age is 26 years old. Mm. Um, going back to school, um, don't let age be a situation or a concern. Say that for again. Them. And that's the truth. Mm. Um, we, are re- we are celebrating graduation this week at HCC. Thursday, we're, se- we're uh, celebrating the achievements of our high school equivalency graduates. So that's our GED and our Tech Chase graduates. We have a ceremony for them. We're also celebrating individuals who are earning their, de- bachelor- their associate's degree and their certificates, workforce training certificates. Um, huge ceremonies. One of the largest ceremonies that we have in the city here. And we have graduates ages 18 to 80. In those ceremonies. Um, And I can I can tell you in each instance, some of them are coming because it's just about, you know, fulfillment of that that uh, credential, something that they wanted to earn. But most of our graduates are leaving us who are not planning to transfer to a four year institution. They're going right into the workplace. And we are we are we are deadly focused on getting our students in connecting them to career and employment services. So by the time you leave HCC with your credential, with your certificate or your associate's degree, we've got a pathway for you that gets you right into the workplace. And there's so many opportunities. We need plumbers. We need electricians. We need people to build homes. You know, there's we need process technologists. Even to this day, you hear about what's going on with the gas pipeline, but when that comes back up, we're going to have to have process engineers and technologists to help support that. Um, Community college offers that.
0: Now, let me ask you, because here at the Church of Bethel's family, we've worked uh, hand in hand with the uh, community college. And those who know about Bethel's, um, this is a holistic ministry. You know, so it's a great. So what we do is everybody got to get Jesus, right? That's that's the baseline. We got to make sure that we connect you back um, to your father so that you can understand your purpose in life, walk out that purpose with authority and with passion, uh, so once we connect you with God, once we connect you with his son, you believe that he died for your sins. After that, that person still needs education. Uh, that person still needs a job. That person still needs food in their stomach. Um, so we're here at the Church of Bethel's family. We have what's called a holistic ministry. Uh, so we got a food pantry here. We have a dentist's office on site. We have uh, We had a course just last week about phlebotomy classes. Um, we worked hand-in-hand with ACC by doing our our GED classes. Mm -hmm. And so what it means is, what we do is, we want people to bloom where they're planted, Mm -hmm. right? So we want to create an era of success. And by doing that, what we're doing is enhancing the generations that come. Because I believe it is our job to make the world a better place for the generations that are following us. And, And so our ceiling should be our kids' floor. That's right. Right? And so it's about helping people to understand that no matter where you are, bloom where you're planted. Success can be found. Mm -hmm. When I look at my own life and I look at all the challenges that I've overcome and, and by God's grace... Uh, being allowed, allowing me to do certain things. I've traveled to over 31 different countries in the world, led over a hundred international mission trips. Thousands of people have been on that trip. Uh, I am the only person in my family that has traveled outside of the country. Um, I got four kids, three of them in college right now. And when I look back at all the obstacles that we've, that God has allowed me to overcome, I look at those obstacles as stepping stones.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And so that's going to lead me into a place to where I want us to talk because Uh, Many people look at the destination, but they ignore the journey and see the power is in the journey. It's not when you get there. That's right. You talked about, you know, the PhD and the PhD doesn't mean that you're smart, but it just means that you have the wherewithal to stick with something until you cross the finish line. And so talk about some of the challenges that you've had to face in order to get to the position where God has you right now. I know God's grace has covered you. Mm -hmm. His grace and mercy has followed you all the days of our lives. We know that. Um, And glory be to God for that. Glory for his son. Uh, But talk about some of the challenges that you've personally had to overcome in order to be sitting at this table right now enjoying the fruits of your life.
1: And, you know, I think about um, I'm reflecting on a couple of instances uh, because I didn't if I painted this picture that it was all rosy, that my journey was um, then let me let me make that correction right now, because it was not. You know um the enemy always comes when when God has something planned for you, right mm-hmm. just as you are um, set up to be um, blessed um, you there's there's the enemy on each hand, and I can remember um, certain situations where there were colleagues who were former friends um, as you are as you are being elevated each time um, there's attacks and they're attacking your character um, they're they are doing all they can um, to help um, really create your demise. Um, so being, I had to, and I had to come to grips with that. I had to realize that not everybody was going to go, you know, on the journey with me. Um, I had to ask God to help me, hold me and sustain me, be it put a hedge of protection around me because I needed it. There were times where I didn't know where, where, my, where my next, how I was going to pay my electric bill. Mm. I told you I was still earning. I was poor. Mm. I was definitely poor. And I was of the belief also that I couldn't call my parents to do that because if I did, um, then I've let them down, right? I mean, I have, I knew that I could always go back home, but what would that yield me? Um, nothing but, but another opportunity to go back and say, you know, well, I tried, um, but without really giving it um, everything that I had. I shared that my parents were small business owners. They had, I had three other siblings that they also had to to provide for. So the reality hit me really quickly that you're going to have to make it happen for yourself. Um, And you can do this, um, but you're going to have to understand that not everybody's prepared to be to celebrate your success. Um, You're going to lose friends along the way. Um, You're going to grow. Um, And there's nothing wrong with that. Honestly, it's not that you suggest that you're you're bigger or better than anybody else. Sometimes friends, friends and friendships just grow apart. Mm -hmm. Um, And the sooner you realize that, the better off you will be. Um, You also have to understand that you need to surround yourself with people who are smarter than you. That's a good word. Um, You do. Um, You learn. um, You realize that if you're the smartest person in your circle, then there's something wrong with your circle. So you continue to keep yourself around people who are smarter than you, who you're learning. Like you suggested, Pastor, you know, sit at the feet of elders. I can remember. Um, early on um, at my church, my former church, um, my pastor would say, "You know, you the elders are here to teach, um, and the youth are here to learn, um, and we're going to do that in in every step of the way, and at each at each opportunity, we were um, investing in financial literacy, um, helping us. We we purchased the Dave Ramsey classes on financial literacy because that's how important that um, it was for us as you know growing up, even being young adults um, in and starting out on our own, um, we. Made some poor financial decisions, mm-hmm. you know. You, have, I, I know I did. I yeah. thought clothes and fashion and yeah. other material was more important than paying utilities, and you know, had the lights come off, you know, a couple of times. But the reality is that I had to level set. I had to take a step back and say, girl, you got to get it together. You can't call mama and daddy. Um, so you're going to have to reprioritize some things and think about how do you, is this something that you want to sustain over time? Um, where do you set priorities? How do you balance a budget? Um, how do you pull back and ensuring that, number one, you, you're staying on the mission. You've, got a, you've identified a goal, um, but now how are you going to get there? And then once you reach that goal, um, how are you going to deal with all that's going to come your way? People are attacking you, and they're making, um, you know, spreading rumors, Mm -hmm. and those things happen. Um, And it's it's really about. Keeping yourself grounded, um, and I and I have to say um, to, to your to your point earlier also, it's getting getting some Jesus. Yeah. Um, I could not do it. Yeah. I know that I could not. Um, I have. I get in my way all the time, and I I tell God, you know, I want to be in Your will, so I have to put me aside. Um, so that I can ensure that I am doing exactly what you've lined up for my life, and it's because of that. That's the truth, um, Pastor Holman. It is not because I have done anything remarkable. I don't think I'm exceptional by any means. Um, I think what is what is clear is that God has been has been good to me. That's right. And I've been rooted in the Word of God. Um, Luke six and thirty eight is my philo- my life's philosophy. I'm going to give, and I expect you <laughs> Giving be given back Press good down. measure. Yeah. Press down, shaking together, and that is that's the mantra that I live by to this day. I'm investing in other young African American female leaders who are aspiring to become to greatness. I'm telling them all that I that I went through because I want them to see this as a reality for them. This is not something that is outside of what's expected for you. Um, you can do it. Let me invest in you like somebody else invested in me. I don't mind mentoring. I don't mind dedicating my time and committing to this because it's that important. And it's, it's it's like you said, we've got to create this IT idea that there is we're investing in generational yeah, wealth yeah. and we are investing in this mindset that changes um, where we where we have been um, to where we're going um, and understanding that the idea for our youth and our, our children for tomorrow is really that they are prepared to be leaders. They are set up for success as long as they can believe in and they see it. Now,
0: when, it. when you talk about that, um, Sante, when you talk about. The, the thirty thousand foot view of generational wealth, the Bible does say that a good man leaves an inheritance for his children' okay. children, mm-hmm. um, but there are some things in which the gap um, in our community now i 'm talking specifically about our community um, that we don 't talk about like we don 't talk about money management, mm-hmm. uh, the basis of money management. we typically are taught you need to go to work, pay the bills, retire, sit on a porch, and rock you know, the rest of your life away. So we don't talk about you know the, the investment strategies that uh, other ethnicities, other nationalities implore and that how they transfer generational wealth down and down and down mm-hmm. and down. And so when you're talking about this, this all goes back to that same word, education. Right. I have a good friend of mine, a really good friend of mine. He is not a college graduate. He is, uh, hadn't done any of that, but he is well read. He's well read. Mm-hmm. He's one of the smartest people that I know, but he has no certificates on his wall. He is by far one of the smartest people I know is because he invests in reading. He reads, he reads, he reads, and he reads and reads and reads. He's very well read. And as you're talking to this gentleman, you can just hear the wisdom of the books in which he's read because it has shaped his life in so many different forms. So when you talk about you coming over this and you coming through this, and they've made some mistakes in this past, some stuff over here that I wish I could have done better, but when we get to the place to where we are right now, and this is what I want everybody to understand: um, life is going to bring with it challenges, mm-hmm. Shantae. It's going, it, mm-hmm. you know, it's just life. Uh, Jesus said that. It's going to rain on the just and the unjust. It's going to rain on you. Okay. You're going to try to do some great things in life. There's going to be some people that's going to get in your way. Come here, Judas. Talk about what he did to Jesus. Okay. So (laughs) this is just par for the course, but I believe with all of my heart, my mind, and my soul that 2 Corinthians 12 and 9, it's true. Paul said that his grace is sufficient. sufficient. Mm-hmm. Right. So when you're going through the walks and challenges of life, you're able to look back and say, man, I overcame that.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: OK, you look over here and say, man, I overcame that. Mm-hmm. I gained something from here. I gained something from there. And because I had to go through those, because I had to go through those challenges, it has made me a much better person. And so when you're looking at somebody right now, that young lady, that young boy, that person that's watching, that person that's listening, how would you encourage them if they're in the valley of life? Because, you know, l- let's be honest There are some times in which we wanted to tap out You know, life has kind of gotten challenging mm-hmm. Didn't think that we were going to be able to make it um, Sometimes we wanted to tap out So what would you say to that person right now That's saying, hey, that sounds good But uh, I'm in the valley right now I'm in the storm How would you encourage that person to continue to go on?
1: You know, I would say um, As as you mentioned, Pastor um, We all go through, through the valley um, But one thing about it is If you can, if you fall down, if you can look up, then you can get up, right? Um, And I would say to you that there is no, there's no feat that's um, immeasurable, um, nothing that you can't overcome. Um, I shared you don't have to be a genius; you just have to have the 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 will to do it. Um, But with with through faith and with God, um, know that all things are possible. Um, Anything that you wish you set out to achieve, I shared the example of a 17 year old girl who wanted to cook, um, and how. She is now a budding entrepreneur Um, There's nothing unique about that situation There's nothing unique about me Um, All I'm asking is that you have enough Um gratitude um, for God to to, to wake up in the morning. If you can plant your feet on the ground, then that's a new day every day to start afresh. Um, It should give you motivation each day that you wake up and say, God, I didn't deserve it, but I'm here and I'm going to make the best of it. I might be in the valley today um, and I might be in the valley tomorrow, but I know that I won't last there. If you're looking for a job, pack a lunch, take your lunch with you. If you're expecting rain, take an umbrella. What I'm saying is prepare yourself for what you're expecting. Um, If you're expecting great things, then you should operate in that, in that wisdom operate, knowing that you are capable of doing anything above and beyond um, what you had even asked for through faith and with God.
0: Now I I pray. And as God examines my heart right now and Uh, Let me me set this up for you, Shante. The reason we're on our—this is our 50th episode. Um, This was started in March of 2020, and God has, you know, done what I didn't even think— it wasn't in my plans to do this at that level. Um, The platform of Studio B was to take everyday normal life and merge them with a biblical belief. Uh, Because there are people watching on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube— that will never dawn the halls of a church. They will never come and listen to somebody preach behind a lectern. So what we do is we take mainstream issues, um, whatever is on the news of that day, we talk about it, we talk about it in depth, but we don't just leave it lingering. We connect whatever that is to what God says, right? And give them um, something that is important for me is hope. Okay? Um, because there needs to be hope in a hopeless society. Mm -hmm. So the platform of Studio B is to talk about mainstream issues that are affecting mainstream people and then connect them to what God says on that issue. And one of the things that this particular series is doing now about normalizing success is that when you look at the life of Jesus, uh, one of the reasons why he was shunned by the masses is because he didn't have a good pedigree. Mm -hmm. Uh, They say, man, that's Joseph's son. Like... His mother, you know, she wasn't married when Mm -hmm. she had him. Mm -hmm. You know, there's no way that this could be the king King, of the Jews. Right. So he didn't come from a good pedigree. He was a carpenter all of his life. Um, He didn't have, you know, the glitziest of robes. He didn't have this very influential entourage. He was a very normal guy by all standards. So if you looked at him from afar, you wouldn't consider him to be successful. And so when I look at success, I try to redefine success. Uh, because, Shante, everybody's not going to be able to operate on the 50th floor. Mm-hmm. Um, everybody's not going to have three letters in their name. They're not going to be CEO, COO, or CFO. So we have to redefine what success is. Somebody has to take out the trash. Somebody has to cook the meals. But what I like to encourage people is if you go out every single day and put in a hard day's work, you're giving God something to bless. Mm-hmm. You're, you're putting something in the master's hand. Now, maybe I can't be like that guy. Maybe I won't live in River Oaks. Maybe I won't have a palatial estate, but I can go out and I can work the thing in which God has given me. And by doing so, I'm allowing God to bless me. Mm-hmm. So how would you define success? What does it look like in the eyes of Shante Grace? What What does success look like to you?
1: So I think success is really. Um, I think I may have even alluded to this earlier. is it, It's not by. It's not measured by the things you have. Um, in in my view, it really is measured by um, the relationships that you've been able to establish, um, the the fulfillment that you get um, from doing things that bring you happiness um, and seeing it in, in, in others. Um, the way I measure success is how many people I've been able to help um, as a result of the position that I'm in. If if I'm not helping someone who is also seeking um, a similar opportunity or who's seeking just an opportunity in general, then I'm not successful. Um, And and it really is about, Again, expressing my gratitude to God for putting me in the position, I believe that's why I've been placed in the position that I'm in. Um, But seeing others be successful um, as a result of my direct influence um, or coaching or mentoring um, really is how I define success. So if once my child graduates college, hallelujah, praise God, that's one. Um, As my executive assistant finishes her bachelor's degree and she pursues other opportunities and I help set her up in that position, Praise God. Um, These are the ways that that I measure success personally. Um, That may not be applicable to everyone else, um, but for me, um, it's knowing my purpose again, as I stated. Helping people, I, I recognize where God has placed me and I know that it's for a reason. And in order to do that, um, I need to see it realized in others. I need to see that manifestation of others being prosperous um, and not financially, yeah, right? Yeah. But of being able to, uh, to achieve the goals for which they've set out to accomplish.
0: Now, when you get to heaven, everybody, here's one of the things that I believe God's going to judge us on is the human capital that we have. And, and I don't think that we take... Um, stock or inventory on human capital. Mm-hmm. And what I mean by human capital is the people that you are investing in, the people that you are helping to elevate. There's a story in Acts chapter number three where this man is set at the gate called Beautiful, and James and Peter were going into the temple every single day as was their custom, and this man looks up to them and he says, uh, expecting to get some money for them. And Peter speaking says, silver and gold have I not. Uh, But what I do have in the name of Jesus, rise and walk. But here's a part of the story that many of us don't see. Peter reached out his hand to help him up. Mm -hmm. He didn't just give him an encouraging word. Mm -hmm. He reached out his hand to help him up. And I believe that's human capital. Uh, Yes, we can give the fancy, you know, the the, the hallelujah shouts and things like that. But how are we investing in people? How are we helping people to be better, to be productive, to connect to their God-given purpose? It's human capital. And I believe when we start giving human capital, that's when we're going to start seeing the greatest return on our investments. Mm -hmm. Yes, we can put some money in a 401k. We can put it in stock options. Yes, we can do all of that stuff. But are you investing in people? Because Jesus invested in people. And so as you're looking at your life in this position that God has allowed you to have, um, to where you can touch so many different people's lives and so many different walks of life, how are you using that right now? I mean, what type of joy does that bring you being able to be in this position, which is a God position?
1: It is indeed.
0: It's a God position. It is. Uh, what kind of joy does that bring you knowing that you are able to help people in so many different walks of life?
1: You know, there's not a day that goes by. Um, Houston Community College is one of the largest in, in the the city and in the state. Um, it's the fourth largest in the nation. And not a day goes by that I don't say, Lord, I need you. To give me the wisdom of Solomon, Mm -hmm. because everything I'm doing is impacting the lives of over 100,000 students in this role. I have a direct impact on the lives of so many people educationally um, as they're thinking about how they're going to make their journey. Every decision I make is going to impact those people. I don't want to take that for granted. Mm. So guide my feet, order my steps um, so that I am doing everything to the glory and benefit of you. um, And so that the passion and the, the goals that these individuals are pursuing are realized as a result of that. I don't take that for granted. I wake up who has that opportunity, Um, who other than being a pastor of a mega church and and, uh, working in the community. But who has that kind of opportunity and influence and and power um, to be able to impact so many um, through education, especially. And I'm just grateful every day for that opportunity. I do not take that for granted at all.
0: Now, you have um, several, several accolades. Um, As I was reading your profile and, you know, doing my due diligence um, to make sure that I encapsulated all that God is doing. And I know uh, the time will quickly get away from us and, you know, laying out the list of all that God has done in your life. Um, But I believe that it's important to understand where God has you and for the purposes that God has you there. So what motivates you? I I know you just gave me a little snapshot Mm -hmm. of it, but when you get out of bed in the morning What's that driving force that says, let's get it? What, what, what's that motivating factor? Um, what's that one thing? Uh, even when you're tired, uh, even when you've had a bad day, even when you feel like, okay, this is not the day, what's the thing that you have that pushes you forward? For me, um, it's my family.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: My family is a motivating force for me. Uh, my wife and my four children Um, it is a motivating force for me to go out there and do positive things in life. So what's your motivating force? What's that thing that pushes you when you don't want to be pushed?
1: So I I agree that my family is indeed my motivation. Um, When I think about work, so there's, and I I think about my purpose and what I'm doing each day. Um, Family, no doubt. My parents are proud proud peacocks. I can (laughs) tell you, my, my, my stepdad calls me doctor. He doesn't even call (laughs) me by my name anymore. He's so proud. Um, but I also think about the types of students that we serve at HCC, first generation, um, some who, who would have never set foot on a college campus if they if it weren't for that flyer or having made um, some connection with somebody um, and how overwhelming that could be. Um, for me, it's about the single parent who's coming back, who's trying to get um, a, a, you know, a credential to earn more money to take care of their children. Um, For me, it's about the young black boy who has often been told that he you know, he's either going to end up in prison or um, he's he's going to die. And we see it every day um, who's coming to college just to try to be to to overcome those obstacles Mm -hmm. that have already been placed before him. Um, For me, it's the undocumented immigrant who is fearful of uh, ICE and um, and those any any other external circumstance that may hinder their ability to realize citizenship um, when they're just trying to earn a livable wage to take care of their family. Um, It's youth of dreamers, children of dreamers, or what we call dreamers, um, who are here um, excited and passionate about education every day. Um, I have a direct impact on their lives every day. I mean, from the way we we celebrate their achievements and in commun- in, in, uh, during commencement to the emails that we send encouraging them to complete their studies. Every single day, I think about the because you know what the there's undocumented immigrants who live in my community. Mm-hmm. Um, there I have a really good friend um who friends who I went to college with who are dreamers or children um, have children who are dreamers. Um, I also have um, I have first generation um college students um, in my family, my I have cousins. I have think about single parents. Um, It's a reflection of the community That I live in Um, So every day I have an opportunity to make an Impact on the people who look like me um, Who may not look like me But who are greater, who are better served By someone who looks and feels Who've gone through similar situations I don't take that for granted I'm excited about it
0: So let me ask you um, You know the story Of Joseph Um now the preachery thing is coming, but I'm not going. I'm not going to preach. <laughs> uh, but you know, you know the story of Joseph. Joseph sold into slavery. Uh, go to Potiphar's house, accused of rape. He spends 13 years inside of a prison, forgotten about in that prison, uh, forgotten about by man, but remembered by God, and eventually makes his way up to second in command. And God placed him in a very strategic position so that he could impact generations, not just individuals, but generations. And I believe that education can impact generations. Um, and so you're in a position right now to where God has placed you in a Joseph chair, to where you can impact Dreamers, You can impact that single mother. You can impact that young boy. You can impact people. And by impacting people at an individual uh, place, that will reverberate to generations to follow. But when you're looking at um, some of the things that are going on in our community right now, um, Sister Shante, I I believe that apparently, and please, as I try to communicate this the best way in my heart to, to do so, there is a narrative out there that, that I spoke about in the beginning of the podcast that I'm trying to fight against. Mm-hmm. And, and the narrative is that the African-American race is like this. Here's here's the benchmark. And that narrative is reinforced by social media, by movies, by uh, music, by all the stuff that we see on a daily basis that puts African-Americans, and even minorities, if I can go to a broader mm-hmm. a broader spectrum, um, in a very um, negative light. And so what I try to do is um, I know too many people around me, Shante, and you name A to Z. And any problem from A to Z, I can put my hands on somebody that has overcome that problem. Mm-hmm. I'm talking incest, rape, divorce, um, whatever, and literally, mm-hmm. um, as a pastor here, as the executive pastor here, uh, I deal with A to Z, A to Z people that were, uh, alcoholics, uh, drug use, uh, former prostitutes mm-hmm. name, whatever problem that you want to name. I know people that I can put my hand on that have not only faced that problem, but overcome it. They haven't died in the Valley. And so the the picture that I try to create and the picture that I'm trying to paint of the African-American community is, is that first of all, our history is great and that what we do is a part of who we are. And I believe that the greatest answer for African-Americans lies within African-Americans. And so this idea that we have to look for handouts and we have to look for people to pull us up and to, you know, to get out, all of that stuff that that, that is being saturated mm-hmm. in, in, in our culture today, I'm just simply saying that the answer for it is within us because we have done it time and time and time and time again. So I want to give you this as an open forum, and I want you to kind of elaborate the way that the Lord sees you to do. Um, we talk about the importance of God. That is first and foremost. That, that I, I believe that African Americans, when we look back at our history, we have been um, throughout our history very spiritual people, mm-hmm. um, connected to God. Even in very harsh uh, circumstances and environments, we have been very spiritually grounded, uh, which is how many of us have gotten to the places that we are because our mothers and grandmothers and great-great-grandmothers were praying for us. So when you're looking at where you are right now in life, and where God has you and the position that he has you in, as you are encouraging these people that may be watching and they're looking at Ashante Gray's and they're saying, man, you know, I dropped out of school in my first year because I couldn't handle it, but I never went back. How do you circle back around in this environment to, to lift that person up and say, hey, you know what, life is going to bring with you some challenges, but look at me. And, 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 and Shante, if, if people see the glory, but they don't know your story. Mm-hmm. And I believe when we start telling people the real story, not the polished version, uh, not the polished version. Uh, I tell people about the lights being cut off. Mm-hmm. I tell people about the car being repossessed early on in our marriage. Me and my wife in year number two was on women, infant, and children. Uh, we were on welfare. Mm-hmm. I was pastoring a church on welfare. Mm-hmm. Um, so people see all of this on the other side. But see, we got to tell them about that stuff. That, that, that So I'm asking you because your story is fascinating. Your accolades have been enormous. But as you look at your own personal mission statement, what is that? What is your mission statement?
1: So I I'll, I'll say um you're right it's this has not been a rosy journey uh, I shared I, what I didn't share um was that you know my I have a stepdad uh, my father is deceased but growing up my father was abusive um physically and verbally ab- abusive he was an alcoholic um which caused my mother to 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 move we moved to Houston when I was in the 3rd grade I'll never forget um, being in the car, we driving overnight. She had a small little uh, little Champion, yellow Champion. We packed up everything we could. Me, being the oldest, um, had to help stay awake to keep my mother awake. As soon as we got to Houston to a family member's house, the car stopped, uh-huh. um, and we started over again. And I and it's I remember seeing the determination of my mother's face. Um, in ensuring that she was going to do all she could to make sure Mm -hmm. that her kids were well protected. Um, So she made a lot of sacrifices. She um, stayed here. She worked as a manager of Payless Shoe Source uh, for for many years, right on MLK. Um, For those who've been around long enough to remember that, um, my mother did that for many years while we were in school. And then we moved back to Louisiana because it reached a point where the city was too much. We were getting older. It was more difficult um, as a single parent to take care of us. And then she met a phenomenal man who God had placed in her life, my stepfather. Um, Over over the time, over years, my dad also um, stopped drinking, uh, had Mm -hmm. become um, involved in the church. So God had really come and had brought things together. But I'm saying that to say um, that this is to... If I hadn't shared that You would not have known um, And my situation is not Unlike anyone else's So when you think about Your purpose in life um, And in the mission um, It really is about being as real as I can be. Um, I don't want to put on any fake or airs, as, as yeah. the elders would say, I'm yeah. not. I, <laughs> I want to be as as real as I can be. And I want people to, to understand that, um, again, I'm not exceptional. Um, I'm not an exception at all. This is an expectation. And the reality is that anything that that we are, we are called to do, God is not going to set us up to fail. He can do anything but fail. Um, and I understand that I'm I'm grounded in the word. Uh, I can't take that for granted um, because I, I truly, truly believe and strongly believe that that is exactly why I'm exactly where I am at, at such a time as this. Um, it is because God had ordained every single step for me. Um, it's not by chance that I'm talking to you today, Pastor yeah. Holman. Um, it's not by chance that I'm also um, out advocating in the community, going to Wesley Square Apartments um, later this month to also have the same conversation because I'm truly passionate about my people, but but all people, to be honest yeah. with you. But I want African-Americans, um, particularly young African-Americans, to know— um, you are kings and queens. When you look in that mirror every day, um, what we see around us in today's culture is appropriated from you. People dress like you. Yeah. Um, they talk like you. They walk like you. They like your your music. It is because you are creative. You are geniuses. Um, you need to walk in your geniusness, yeah. right? You need to you need to understand that where you are is not where you will be, um, and that is that is how I feel honestly. And I just need. People to see the motivation and to see others come become reality. Their their dreams become reality, and it happens every day. Um, we have had more successful entrepreneurs in um, post COVID uh, yeah, pandemic than her. we have ever had. Come on, it's because. We have, because of what you said, like our ancestors, we out of necessity comes um, opportunity and innovation. We are some innovative people. Um, your creative genius should flow from you during this time. I'm not saying you're going to be, a, you know, a seven figure uh, millionaire, but you could certainly be in a better position than you are today. Um, you just have to be determined. Um Get that credential. Get some some type of education, trade training, whatever that can lead you to a better opportunity. Um, to get you connected, it could be the just a stepping stone. But taking the first step is what's going to be most important. My mission is to help others get to that point. There you go. Um, that is indeed my mission. There
0: you go. Mm -hmm. So when we when we talk about it in our time, um, this is uh, I can't tell you, (laughs) you know, telling my wife this morning, I said, "Babe." You know, as I, as I look back over our lives, talking about my life in particular, I just see God's hand just just all over mm-hmm. it. And I believe that one of my purposes in life is to exemplify the grace of God at the highest levels. You know, my travels all around the world, Shante, has given me a perspective that I know that many can't enjoy. Uh, I've been... Um, many different places, many different cultures and many different people. So I have a love for people. Um, And I know because of what God has allowed me to see and where he has exposed me, I have a different vantage point. And so because I've been to places like India, been all over Africa, and I've seen not poor people, I've seen impoverished people. Um, I've seen where parents have to pay $20 for secondary school.
1: Right.
0: And they can't afford it, so they have to send the kids out to the fields. And then I come back to America in a land that is flowing with milk and honey. Understanding that America has a lot of warts and we still have a lot of issues that we have to address and, and really sit down at the table and kind of work our way through But that America provides such a great opportunity that no matter where you are, you don't have to stay there. Mm -hmm. Um, America affords those opportunities. And so one of the platforms that I am really enjoying right now at this stage of my life is trying to lift people up. Is provide them with practical stuff that they can put their hands on. So when they hear your testimony, when they hear my testimony, they can say, ah, I can relate to that. And then being able to see that that testimony didn't stop but it allowed us to progress. And so that's the human capital that I think is so, so very important in our time. And I want to make sure that everybody understands. I, I, I praise God for the rappers. I praise God for mm-hmm. the basketball players. I praise God for athletics and all of that stuff. I, I, I do. God has carved out a space for that. Um, but, you know, there are so many different things that um, we can pursue as African-Americans that would not only better our community, but better the world as a whole. So I wanna tell you from the bottom of my heart, um, you don't know this, but I reached out to everybody who got the award uh, because I wanted to personally thank them um, for being lights in their community. Uh, So I sent out a personal email to everybody that received that award because I love stuff like that. I love seeing young kids Um, The the young lady that Mm -hmm. started the pressure washing business, Mm -hmm. you know, congratulations. You're setting a standard. You're 14 years old and you're doing this. Congratulations. Right. And not taking those moments for granted, but letting them know, man, your trajectory is is this way. And so I want to thank you, man, because I think people need to see this. And they need to see it in such a way as they expect it. Mm-hmm. And I want to finally say this, and I'm gonna give you your platform to to end this out here. I have a good friend of mine that lives a couple down a couple streets down. He's an Asian American. Um we've talked several times before, and all of his kids, he has five kids, and they all stay in the house with him. Uh all of his kids, all five of them go to rice. <clears throat> and we were talking a few weeks ago, um, and we were talking about family and stuff like that, and he says, he says, Reverend He says, I expect my children to do greater things than I do. And he says, I don't put my kids out until they're ready to be on their own. Mm -hmm. Now, we in the African-American community Mm -hmm. at 18 years old, you got to go. Yeah. But that's not what he said. His oldest child is going for her PhD and she's 26, still staying in the house with mom and dad. And here's what she's doing. She's building capital. Yeah. So as she leaves the house, she's ready to soar. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And I and I thought about that. I was like, wow. He said, and, and I say, so is this is this common around the Asian community? He said, oh, yeah, we all do this. He said, we never put our kids out until they're ready to fly. And, and the words he used was we don't put our kids out there. Our kids don't leave until they're ready to soar. That's a, that's the word they use until they're ready to soar. I thought about that. That's the expectation. Yeah. That's not a blip on the radar. That's right. That's the expectation, Shanti, said. that this is what you're going to do because this is the standard. And so I want to give you the last words to look into that camera right there. And I want you to give everything about HCC. I want you to plug it. I want you to give some programs that people can get involved in. And I just want you to encourage all of those who may be listening and watching right now. So the floor is yours.
1: Well, thank you. And anytime I have an opportunity to plug HCC, I will and gladly do it. Uh, Registration is underway. We are registering now for summer and for fall. Um, The good news is, For students or individuals who are concerned about financial aid or how to pay for college, uh, we have, um, because of COVID, we've received over $123 million in CARES Act funding, uh, most of which, about 80% of that goes directly to students. Uh, We've already dispersed uh, $14 million for the first distribution. Um, That's direct aid. That is not to cover the cost of tuition and fees. For students who are enrolled at HCC, um, if you have a flat tire or if you are concerned about utility payments or rent, payments, those were checks that we put in the hands of our students because we understand that basic needs have to be met in order for your educational needs to be met. We have uh, on count on uh, this semester. We have about 60 percent of our classes will be face to face. Um, We are returning to campus. um, That's 100 percent on face to face. So expect uh, to try to get back to some sense of normalcy. But for those who aren't comfortable, 60 percent of our classes face to face and about 40 percent will be um, online or hybrid to some extent. So we have a variety of options online on a schedule, online anytime at a time that's suitable for you. Um, face-to-face, as I shared, um, and then our hybrid lab courses. We offer automotive training, um, ASC certification uh, for our Northeast campus, um, truck driving, logistics also at our Northeast, uh, um, at uh, North Forest uh, campus as well, our Codwell campus, um, digital information technology, gaming, simulations, augmented mm-hmm. reality. Um, for those who are interested <laughs> in gaming and, and video uh, d- uh, game development, we have that technology. We have a Tesla suit um, at our Southwest campus, which is located at 610, the West Loop, um, right at 610 and uh, Fourness. So in, it, we're encouraging everyone. These are the types of programs that we have, audio recording, uh, engineering. We have HCC TV, where our students have an opportunity to intern with our television studio to do production and sound engineering and recording. Uh, engineering. Um, of course, we have an engi- We also have an engineering program partnership with UT Tyler, where you complete the first two years of your um, undergraduate studies at HCC at our A-Leaf campus, and you can also stay at the A-Leaf campus, save about fifteen to twenty thousand dollars on tuition, and complete the last two years of the uh, engineering program with the University of Texas at Tyler. On the ALE campus, we have a similar program with Texas A&M. Uh, we have our he- our Coleman Health Sciences um, Career uh, p- uh, Health Science College for Health Science Professions located in the heart of the Texas Medical Center, the only community college located in the medical center where we have real life simulation labs. Um, so every one of our students are learning on the same equipment that is inside the hospitals. Mm-hmm. We have a, a simulated a medical lab, dental hygiene. I could go on and on. If you if you can't tell how passionate I am, um, you, you just give us a call. It's hccs.edu slash apply. That's hccs.edu slash apply. For those who are interested in short-term training, you don't have a lot of time, and you're ready to get to work. We also offer a fast-track career training program where we have a four-week up to eight-week fast-track certifications that get you right into the workforce. Um, So these are high-wage, high-demand occupations that leads to a high-earning credential or uh, high-earning, livable wage. So um, we're ready to serve you. We're ready uh, for you to come back to campus. We're looking forward to it. Um, We don't want to be the best kept secret in houston we want people to know that we're houston community college and we're houston's community college here to serve you
0: wow wow uh we'll make sure that we put um the website at the uh the bottom of this podcast um dr shante grace thank you so so very much she serves as the chief student affairs officer at houston community college you are doing phenomenal congratulations on all your success uh, to God be the glory um, you are the uh, not the exception uh, you're just part of what we do the
1: expectation
0: you are the expectation and I and I thank you for that I thank you for sharing your heart um, it is it is deeply encouraging to me that those who are watching uh, will be able to glean something from your life. And use that to move forward. Thank you so, so very much uh, for joining us here on the set of Studio B. And everybody, remember, 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 God loves you. God has a plan for you. No matter where you are in life, bloom right there. Until we see you next week, God bless.